Hello, everyone. I'm Alan Furstenberg. And I'm Mark Tucker. We are Two Voice Devs. Two Voice Devs. How's it been going, Mark? It's been, it's been good. It's been a good busy week. Um, lots of things going on. How about you? Busy. Busy is a good way to put it. Um, <laughs> it was, uh, it's actually, it was kind of interesting. I noticed last week, Jovo, I think it literally was the day that we uh, released the last, uh, the last video we did. They announced something that was kind of right in line with what we were talking about, about, you know, debugging and tracing and seeing what you were doing where and trying to figure right. things out. So, uh, and then I saw over the weekend, it looked like you were playing with it a bit. Yeah, I was. So uh, maybe we can talk a little bit about that and kind of analytics in general. Um, we did, you know, when we talked about the debugging stuff um, last episode, one of the things that we mentioned was CloudWatch logs. And, and, and those are nice, um, you know, some type of logging of, of uh, your console logs and stuff. Um, and part of that I do request and response so that I can see what the JSON mm -hmm. was coming in or out. Um, do you do the same thing, Ellen? I do similar. Um, one of the things that's nice about the way uh, Google Cloud logging works is that it, it ends up logging them as objects. Okay. So I can save them as objects. And I kind of mentioned this a little, that the way I save things to, uh, to Google Cloud Logs was as objects. So you can then do queries on those objects later. And, oh, okay. and then copy them over to Bigtable where you can do some analytics on it even. One of the, the nice things about Bigtable is that it does have a lot of analytics tools tied to it. Yep. So, so, are, so you think you can like, the fact that you have access to the data kind of in your own data store is a plus, I would think. It's it certainly got advantages to it, but you know, at the same time, it also and it's great for doing things like when someone says, "Hey, I tried doing this and it didn't work." I can say, "Well, okay, let me figure out who you are and go back and look at what happened and what the data I thought was going on at the time was and how right. it matches what they thought was going on at the time." So, so those sorts of things are always nice. Yeah. But, so, but it's still I, tricky. It's still it, it is it is it is tricky because you have to kind of go through a number of different steps, and um, so besides writing things to CloudWatch, um, since I most of the code that I run is uh, is running in Lambda, and and that's just the easy way to to do that. Um, I, I have used some analytics tools. There's built-in analytics that that both uh, the Google and 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 Alexa um, give you. And and in the end, it's it's all based off of the request and response object. There, in in the case of Amazon, there probably are some things that you don't, as a developer, have access to that they give you analytics on, like number of barge-ins and you know, oh, that's interesting. Di different things like that, which is they've just started doing this last year. Um, and then, so I've also um, in the past used Dashbot as a as an analytics. Um, and they give you some of the same tools that um, that Alexa gives you in analytics. But one of the things that they have that I've liked is something called the the Firehose, and what <laughs> it does is it it actually yes. groups people together, um, th their requests and responses together into into sessions, so you can actually see a trace that the person says this, uh, you know, asks this and. 
and says this and or at least asks for this intent on the Alexa side of things and this is their the intent that was found and the response that came back even to the the um, level of being able to show some images um, back at the time when I was doing this it was display template stuff but uh, um, APL is, is out now for, on the Alexa side of things and so it would be interesting to kind of trace a user's session from beginning to end yeah um, you know, because you know, CloudWatch is good to a certain extent, but you've got everybody's, you know, if you got everybody's people, stuff mixed in there, right, they're all conglomerated. And if you can split people out and say, oh, this person, this is the session. And then later on, they did a session. Um, there were some other tools that I, I had looked at that did that too. That, that I found that very helpful. But there is a limitation with, uh, with the free version of Dashbot where you don't get access to, you know, you only get so many um, mm -hmm. of those firehose logs. One of the things I like the most about Dashbot was that they have a, a kind of path flow tool. If you're, and if you're familiar with analytics on, well, if you're familiar, for example, with, uh, with Google Analytics for the web, it shows you things like, you know, here were your entry pages. Here were the pages where people entered. And then from, you know, 50% of the people hit this page to start. Right. And of those, 50% went to this page and 25% went to this page and, you know, so you kind of see how over time it yeah. filters down and, and how, where people end up over time. So after, you know, they've been on your site for like four clicks, where do they end up? Where, what are your popular pages at that time? And uh, Dashbot provided the same sort of thing where you could see it going from intent to intent to intent. Right you know, which intents get triggered the most often after this one. And that's really useful if you're looking to see how a conversation flows. Does it actually match the way you thought a conversation was supposed to flow? Or if you see that there's particular intents where there's a high percentage of people that end the session right at there. that point, then you start to wonder, okay, what can I do? Is that, is that a natural place for people to end? Is that okay? in this situation or is there something that I could do to better? Right. Why, why are they giving up here? Or yeah. do I have an error here? Or, yeah, <laughs> no, it, exactly. it really, it lets you start asking those questions and asking them intelligently instead of, you know, people just going, oh, I don't know, you know, we got people visiting the site. That's yeah. good enough. <laughs> so, um, this fits right along the lines of what Jovo is doing with something that they call Jovo Inbox. Okay, so so you had a chance to play with it. I understand. I did. So and, I'm, I'm curious to hear more about it. All right, so um, I read through the documentation and I did some implementation stuff. So um, I, I think to get access to the code, um, you need to be a contributor to Jovo. It's kind of like an early access contributor only perk at this point. Um, but there's three main parts. There, uh, the part in the middle is um, some sort of a database. Um, there, I, I think they're suggesting MySQL as a data, database. And what happens is there's a plugin for Jovo, which as you're doing your intents and with its requests and responses, then it's behind the scenes um, sending that information to that database. Then there is a separate website. So, so yes. hang, okay, so hang on. So, so every time it hits the, the Jovo, it, it hits the Jovo fulfillment code, there's something that gets logged to the database. Is that 
how yeah, it works. Yeah, so for okay. every request response. Okay. Like, okay. Um, so it, and it tracks <clears throat> like what session you're in, what user you are, and all the all the stuff that you get as part of that payload, the request and response payload. So those are being logged. So it, you know, similar to what CloudWatch or Dashbot is doing, it's just intercepting those and it's sending them off to a database. Um, so then there's a website that you can, uh, that they've got created um, that you start up and it um, reads the database and you can do things like um, get a list of all the different users that are in your system. Um, and you could um, even decide if you want to add a friendly name to some of the people that you know um, in there. Um, and there's some filtering that you can do on the, on the plugin side. So certain users don't go in there or I don't know, there's hmm. things okay. like, cause some of the stuff like sometimes you're like you're debugging and you get this Jovo debugger user and you don't necessarily want to be logging them. Um, so th there are some uh, controls. It's fairly light at the beginning, you know, right now just starting out, but logs it to the database and then you start up this website and you can look at, um, the different users and when you get on a user you can see their different sessions and then you can open up a session and you can see the the path that this is the intent that they said and this is the response that come back and you can uh, then look in each either and get the whole uh, request JSON or response JSON or render APL um, <laughs> for, for that page um, so it's 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 pretty basic right now, but I like where they're going, um, especially the fact that um, that you're in control of the data, so you can decide if if you want to keep things long term. So this is so this is, so when you say it's a database, it's your database. You stand up your own MySQL database. Oh, and it's your website. Yeah, and it's and they get a, they have code that points to that. yeah. So you could host that website yourself, or just like run it locally. Um, oh, interesting. Okay. So it's, it's, you know, kind of the advantages of, of uh, what a, a dashbot would give you. And in some cases, dashbot does a whole lot more at this point. Um, but, but it's all local. But it's all local. You get the database and you get access to it, which means that you could modify it and get other information. So for example, something that's always inter interested me is like for a particular user, um, how many different devices are they using my skill with? Hmm. Because you know that information is in. There's a unique device ID mm -hmm. that goes, and so and there, there's plus there's a little bit of information about the device, like the screen resolution and things like that. So you, then you can start to say on the Alexa side, and we'll talk about some of this in another show. I yeah. have a feeling because I know you don't get that on the Google side. No, you don't. You don't get a different device ID either. Yeah. So there's going to be some differences between it, but, but I guess it does also cross platform. You could have multiple, um, multiple streams, you know, like for Snatchword, I could have my, my Bixby and my you know, Google assistant and my Alexa um, apps all going to the same database. Mm -hmm. um, um, so I'd have to figure out, I guess, on filtering and things like that. But yeah, I guess it really does depend. But uh, on the Alexa side, it would be nice to say, oh, this user, um, they have, th they've used three different devices, um, and, and they have, uh, like a, a screen device and two, two dots or, you know, something like that, or two mm -hmm. not screen devices. But I don't know. It, it also makes it interesting that one of the things you'll, you know, since the data is in there, 
I could easily see being able to do um, cross device retention comparisons, for example. Yeah. So you could see that, you know, 20% uh, of your Alexa users return after one week, but only 15% of your Google users return. Exactly. And is that because there's a problem on the Google side or it's just the nature of the people using a device or they're using different kinds of devices and that might be influencing why they're returning or not. So, yeah, yeah. so even, even if Inbox doesn't do that now, the data is there and you can do that data mining later. Yeah, and, that, and that's where I think uh, the, the important part is that, uh, what I was wanting to do is just get it um, going and collecting data and, and not worry about it. You know, you know, it, 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 in some cases, it's helpful if I debug a situation and it's like somebody says, oh, I had a problem hitting this yesterday about this time. I could go and you know, try to find it. Even if I initially found the person in CloudWatch, then I could go into um, this other tool and I could see the trace of their whole conversation and where, where they got to. Mm -hmm. um, when uh, an Alexa skill has an error, then there's a it gets the end and uh, intent type or session on session end or something. Um, but it also gives you a, a like a reason of why there was an error. I could see something you know that Jova Winbox would add would be a separate inbox for just those sessions that had errors. So then you could go in and like, like, oh, this there was an error in this session. Let's see what happened in this session. And then you just you could start thinking whatever all the different information that you're getting, you could start to um, you know, pull that out. Mm -hmm. um, since you have a database, you could do your own queries against it. You could put it into some other tool to do you know more advanced queries. There's all kinds of um, things that leads you to do because you own the data. The, the you own the data part, I think, is probably one of the biggest bits of this that makes it so different from, from what else is there. I mean, you know, in some ways, it's very similar to what we can do with um, Google Cloud Logging and Google Bigtable. But that's in, that's in that, that's a database in the cloud that you don't necessarily have control over. Here, it's you configure that database however you want. You keep the retention policy that you want. Um, it's it's totally yours, and I think that's a big difference. Now, yeah. but but that does raise a question. When I read the material for Inbox, it mostly it mostly made it sound like it was meant as a debugging tool. You know, so that the the kind of intent was your alpha testers, your beta testers would you know you would attach it to those but it didn't necessarily mean that it would be something in production. What's, and, and by that, my, my takeaway for that was that makes it sound like it slows things down dramatically. How much of a performance hit did it seem to, to do for you? Well, I didn't get it all the way installed. <laughs> okay. So uh, a number of tasks that I had this, this weekend, and, and this was one of the ones, um, Spend a, spend a good uh, few hours going through getting a MySQL database set up in Amazon RDS, which is something I hadn't done before. And, uh, and that requires security groups and VPCs and, and, and stuff, which isn't you know, something that 
that I've spent a lot of time or have had to spend a lot of time mm -hmm. on in the past. And so uh, first time it didn't work, wasn't accessible, realized that there's a little setting that says that you have to make it public. Um, otherwise it's a private database. And so yeah, I, made it, I made it public and it still didn't work. And so then I kind of blew that database away and, and created a brand new one selecting a brand new security group and a you know brand new everything. Usually that's been my experience with RDS is that when it doesn't work, it's easiest to just start over. Yeah. And the, the trick I always find is making sure it belong, it's in the same permission group as whatever my Lambda needs to be. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of where I got, I got uh, that installed and then um, went through and, and built the code and did all the stuff that I needed to. Uh, and some a tool downloaded a tool so uh, as part of Visual Studio Code where I could query the database and nice. that's where I was figuring out yep. I wasn't getting connectivity and so they, I solved the connectivity problem and then um, I ran the code locally and I got an error and it turns out that uh, that you have to create a database there's you know there, there wasn't any particular scripts I guess it uses an ORM behind the scenes so all I needed was an empty database but the documentation was was light on that area, and so uh, I did that, and I still ran it locally. You know, things proxied uh, locally through the the Jovo CLI proxy, and and I was able to start getting some things logged to it, and I could bring up the website and see the things that were logged into it, and then I deployed it to to uh, Lambda, and uh, and my my Lambdas are timing out at seven seconds. Um, so it's so it's something's not happening. Some connectivity, maybe I don't know with the mm -hmm. lambda. So it sounds like maybe a permission thing with the lambda and the and the lambda's timing timing out before you get a response. I assume. Yeah. Hmm. So I'm so that that's that's kind of where I was. I got stuck and I had I had pushed some code out there on Saturday. So there was so Snatchword was actually broken for a couple of hours on Saturday. Um, which is when I discovered the nice little um, health check um, where it, <laughs> it, it, it uh, realizes that the, your Google action is down for a while. And so when you ask for it, it says that it's not available. And, but then it's nice enough once things are repaired and going, you know, pinging again, that uh, then you, you know, after a little while, your, your action starts working again. The health check thing is interesting. And that's also reflected in the analytics that Google gives you. It shows you when, yeah. you know, you can see nice, nice charts of, you know, bonk, bonk. Yeah. off the bottom. <laughs> so overall it was a, you know, a good experience. Um, I didn't get everything done on my list, but I learned a lot and, uh, and learned some things I didn't expect to, to, to learn yeah. with the. I'm, I'm really curious. The, the performance is obviously an important consideration, yeah. I think. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm hoping they did it in a way that logging doesn't incur a performance hit. Yeah. At least not a significant one. Um, I know the way that I tend to do this sort of stuff in multivocal is to do it after I return the reply. So that you know, it, it doesn't take up any of the precious five or seven seconds that we have to reply. And it's just taking up CPU time, which, okay, I'm billed for, but right. at least my response time is fast. -er. Yeah, and, and it'll be interesting because, um, you know, I haven't dove into the code. It's available for me to look at. And so I don't know if they're 
simply just writing to the database. But there are a number of things that you could do, um, like you could be sending it to something like EventBridge or some sort of a queue um, so that, to, that you do get that quick response uh, back and it, and it just logs it later. Well, the, the um, problem is if they've done it in a platform independent way, and I assume they have, yeah. then you don't have EventBridge because you don't have yeah. EventBridge everywhere. You know, so the only thing they can count on is a database of some sort. Yeah, but so um, I, yeah, I guess I'm not 100% sure if the code that's in my Jovo um, you know, voice app, if that is writing directly to the database or if it's writing to some Jovo API, which is then in turn writing to your database. But that Jovo API would have to be local still somewhere. Um, so it, it, I mean, it, it could be, I mean, it could be the yeah. same thing that the, the web console that you have, you know, it could be part of the yeah. web console, which is running somewhere. Um, and that would, that would make sense in some ways to yeah. have it as a separate task. Uh, it's just, it, it still boils down to somewhere, something's going to take time. And yeah. the question is what and where. That, that's true. You know, and, and we've been able to do, you know, logging to CloudWatch or logging to, or, you know, analytics to Dashbot or other things and having that be performant enough that it doesn't, you know, affect. So there are ways to, it's not an unsolvable problem. No, it's, it's just, not. I wonder, I, mean, yeah. I wonder if they've, how they've done that. Um, it's kind of interesting, um, like you say, you know, is this tool going to be more for the, you know, the beta pre-release or are they... I see a great value of having it be in, in production. I think it's tremendously valuable in production. When it gets to that point, yeah. But you know, if you think of handling thousands of users yeah. at a time and being able to record all of that, you start to worry about performance. I know, and, and part of the reason I raise this is the, the first time I tried Dashbot, I had a similar problem to you. I you know, was, was logging things to Dashbot and suddenly my, the service that I was using, the the, um, the cloud function that I was running stopped responding. And it turned out I had configured Dashbot with the wrong URL, so it was hanging on connecting there and sending it the data. But that quickly made me realize that I now had a remote service yep. that I wasn't, you know, that I was depending on, but that wasn't actually involved in getting a response. It yeah. didn't need this. I needed this, but my the person who was you know the user exactly didn't need this so that that quickly made me realize we need to to make sure when we do these things that we're doing them in a way that it doesn't impact user experience yeah exactly and if there is a connect <clears throat> excuse me if there is a connectivity problem that it should be able to just move on right and just ignore it and 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 keep going you know log it someplace else or let it notify in some other way so that we know that this thing's not working right but it shouldn't um, cause, it should never cause the, uh, the voice failure. code to, right. to fail, yeah. And I mean, and you know, we've seen this, we see this sort of, you know, the equivalent on the web is that stuff shows up in the error console, in the JavaScript console, yeah, yeah. and things behave a little weird and slow, but slow in voice is fatal. Yes, it is, exactly. And that's, you know, I think that's one of the things that as we, try to figure out what voice development looks like, we now have to handle the fact that, you know, five seconds is slow. 
<laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> a five second response is slow and it really, really matters. And, you know, anything worse than that is it's fatal. It really is. Which is, yeah, it's interesting because I've, I've hit situations where that you're going against something and you're like, oh, I need to make this API call to get a, uh, like a, a token so that I can then make this API call, which gives me back some of the information, which then I need to go through and then, you know, maybe iterate through and then make another call or make multiple calls to get the detail for the mm -hmm. five things that I want or, and, and pretty soon you're like, that five seconds is gone with yes. API calls that, and, and, and so that then you start thinking about, well, you know, how can I improve this? But what, and, what do I really need here? Yeah. In this case, rest being, you know, and I'm not saying I'm, I'm anti rest and by any means, because a lot of the APIs that I use are rest and, and they're perfectly fine. But then you start thinking about for this certain thing that I need to do, then, um, I, I can't, you know, I can't just like get the list and then show the list to the user. And then when the user clicks the item, then get the details, you know, yeah. and, and, and what you might need out of the details, um, you know, might, uh, might not be on the list part. And, you, right. and so you, then you're like, oh, you're just uh, making We're a ton of different API calls. We're going to need to talk about performance another time, I think. I think that's I another think so. show. That'll be, a, yeah. that'll be another show for another time. But I think in this context, it's important to realize that, yeah, all the logging that we want to do, it has a cost. And we can't ignore that cost. Yeah. And then you, but you start to also think, uh, you know, because like how many things do I have that are logging my request and my response, right? Yeah. So I've got CloudWatch that's doing it. I've got Dashbot that's doing it. Maybe I've got Jovo Inbox that's doing it. In other cases, I've had other things that would be logging things like um, campaigns, and there's there was you know there's a number of different uh, other logging things that uh, type things or analytics or other things that you know you you can't do all of those, and so then you start thinking, well, what would be what would be a better approach to that? Um, well, you know, is there a way that you can then log to some sort of a separate server? or a queue that then picks up the things and then makes the different calls. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, then you start thinking about enterprise solutions like event bridge or, right. you know, queuing technologies or something. Well, and, and even things like, you know, inbox end up being part of that solution or, you know, the, yeah. what I was doing with, with logging with multivocal to, um, to cloud logs. And that's, you know, you collect all the information over the entire session and you log it once. Yeah. And then you figure out, what to do with that log later, because you know, hopefully, what you've captured is a com you know is a relatively complete representation of what you need. And if it is, that's great. You can go and analyze it later. And if it's not, you know, you need to fix that. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, and I think I think that's certainly the way that I think we're going to need to increasingly approach doing analytics and logging and tracing and you know. Right when it comes to voice is that we're never, we're not going to be able to handle it live because we need to respond too quickly. So we'll, we'll build those services and, and inbox I think is one example of a service like that. Yeah. Dashbot's another example where we'll be able to do that eventually. Yeah. Cause I could think of a, you know, I could, I guess, conceptually visualize this tool where it was like inbox 
that you were to log things to, but then inbox has plugins. So then you say, oh, I want to take it from here and, and send that to, to Dashbot, or I want to send that to right. CloudWatch, yep. or I want to send that to, you know, or something like that, where then you can start configuring all the different ways, where places that you want things logged to, but it's really only going to be one call from your code to say, here's the request, here's the response, yep. and then let everything else happen after that. The, the downside to that, of course, is that now you are depending on one service to not break. Yes. Because, it, but again, if you, you know, hopefully we've, you built it in a way that when you do send it there, it either fails or succeeds. And if it fails, it fails quickly. Yeah. Because that more than anything else, that's the most important part. If it fails, it needs to fail quickly, which is yep. in some ways a really strange. Yeah. <laughs> thought process behind that if you're going to fail just get it over with already yeah. just... <laughs> um, I mean, don't yeah. try to go keep trying over and over again just I, but you know in terms of the speed it, it makes me think going back to analytics and speed and so forth mm -hmm. i know one of the things that's really nice about google's console is that it does give you the response time the average response times for yeah. your for calls to webhooks so you know how long each response ends up taking and you can see you know Hey, when I test this at home, it only takes, you know, a hundred milliseconds. And when I deploy it, it takes 4,000 milliseconds. What's going on yeah, there? What's, what's up with that? Exactly. So that's one of the nice charts that, that I know Google gives you. Does Amazon give you something similar? Yeah. So um, I, I included one of the charts that I had for when things were down. So I, I could see if there was, if it was an error was up or down and that, and, and you could see even in vocations. And so you could see every like, I don't know, six minutes, seven minutes, whatever it is, BIP, help check, help check, help check, help check, right? So, um, but yeah, it shows you, um, you know, average um, milliseconds for, for um, your Lambda function and stuff. And then if you, even if you go into the um, analytics for Alexa and you can start seeing, there, there's some, um, some ranges as far as, you know, average um, response time back and, and mm -hmm. success rates and things like that. So you can start to see how, you know, how performant your, your input uh, endpoints going, you know, is, is behaving and, and kind of where that's going over time. Yeah, no, I, you know, originally when Google launched the, the analytics for Assistant, they were really weak. Yeah. And they've grown, they've gotten better over time. They're now, they're now reporting, um, cohort return rate, you know, so how many people from two weeks ago have returned this week? How many people from one week ago have returned this week? Uh, performance of the, the action itself, uh, different ways that the action is invoked. Was it invoked by direct invocation? Was it invoked from an assistant link? You know, so, so lots of other interesting bits that yep. it, it reports on now. Yeah, no, th that's something that has gotten, uh, has improved over time and i know that there's that this you know analytics that are specific for for chatbots and voice has been been a tough uh a tough area you think that it would be a tool that everybody would use and be successful and be able to pay for but that's been that's been a challenge and that's kind of one of the things that i've been watching um you know such a necessary tool as analytics and just how uh, how hard of a go it's been for for companies that have tried that out over the years. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you know, Dashbot has produced some great stuff and yet it doesn't seem to be used a lot. I don't hear a lot of people talking about 
using it and you know the the benefits that you can get out of it and google analytics although it's been you know finely tuned for both mobile and web hasn't really adapted itself to uh to voice yet. You yeah, are, I've, I've seen, you know, people who have taken the, you know, logging events for pages and say, okay, this a page is an intent and, and then, you know, uh, trying to use logging with Google Assistant, uh, sorry, with Google Actions, Google Analytics links. But yeah, there's, there's definitely some, you know, they've made improvements over time and I think it's invaluable any in insights that you can get from uh, analytics, but, uh, um, yeah, I, I guess I just want more. <laughs> I want I, I more information. Is, I think this is certainly an area where there's a lot of work that still needs to be done. I, but, you know, I think we've got some good steps. I think, you know, Jovo Inbox is another good step. But it's clear that we've got a long way to go to, to really understand what we need. Yeah, yeah. I would like to get to a point where, you know, you're using um, a voice skill and there's uh, like a skill or action. You've got some issue and like, hey, would you like to... Um, notify us of, uh, of an issue that you're having, or something <laughs> like that, right? And then, uh, then now you know what uh, user and what session that is, and you can go right to, to looking up that information and, and, and you know, track things down or maybe even ask a couple of questions um, while, they're, you know, while the user's still there in the moment. You know, it's it's difficult because in some cases the the action or skill just crashes and so then you have you know no interaction at all but what if there was some first party experience where it would jump in and then allow you to collect some information and send it off i think this one also we need to table for another time and discuss <laughs> well in in the broad context of what what things do we need a voice operating system to handle for us yeah and i think I think you and I could come up with a good long list of that. And this sounds like it would be included in that. Yeah, I think so too. You know, how can you better uh, pass off to a, a voice app and recover from a voice app, either successful or fail? And uh, what might um, you do? And, you know, still without overwhelming the user with you know bombarding them with 10 questions or or whatever but if there's something you could do that would what what's the the better user experience than the audio blue screen of death exactly i, I like that that's <laughs> yeah, that's that's exactly what it is that's what we're aspiring to yeah <laughs> so if you've got thoughts about uh jovo inbox or what sorts of analytics you're looking to do or how you do debugging we would love to hear your thoughts on uh, on this, or if you've got thoughts about what a voice OS needs to provide, we'd love to incorporate that for a future show. Yes, thank you very much for uh, listening or watching, and uh, we just appreciate any feedback that you uh, can give us on what you want to hear, or um, you know, just carry on this conversation. Um, there's also uh, have we talked about Voice Lunch uh, Dev? That's yet? right. No, we have not. So launching almost immediately after this video gets released will be the brand new Voice Lunch Dev. So it should be, um, I think it's every two weeks on, on a Thursday. Um, and it's, a, it's global, uh, but it's focused on developers. So uh, if maybe if we felt like sometimes we were taking over Voice Lunch with uh, you know, getting down into the depths of code and talking 
different you know, algorithms or tools or frameworks or different things like that, then this is all about that. You can you know, come in and, and you know, don't matter if you're starting or something new um, or you've been doing this for a while, um, we're just welcome, come in and glean what you can, uh, jump in on the conversation, uh, volunteer to, to you know, present on a topic or just let's, let's learn together on, let's learn on together. voice. You know, I think the big point is that we're going to be working with other developers. So it's a bunch of us, all of whom are trying to figure out how to take these great ideas that we have and actually implement them. You know, so you're, you're with other people who have been down the same road, who are having the same problems you are, who are talking about the same topics that we're here talking about every week, except you get to be right there, right in the conversation. Yeah, I, I, I suspect in some cases it might be, hey, I've got this problem, um, has anybody you know have a solution for that but then it's also going to be hey this is something you know brand new that i'm trying out um on a code perspective um or you know I, and i don't think it's necessarily even limited to if you're doing javascript or java or go or you know no, net or whatever you're doing um you're welcome yeah no every, everybody who is doing voice development We'd love to hear from you. We'd love you to share what you're doing. We wanna have these conversations with you. The Voice Lunch community is a fantastic community it and is. you are welcome as part of it. So great, so now maybe uh, we'll get some uh, more people uh, you know, joining Voice Lunch Dev. We're looking forward to it. Yeah, so thank you very much for listening. Um, as I was saying before, and we appreciate you. Um, let's go code some voice apps. Take care everyone, we are. Two voice devs. Two voice devs. Thanks, Alan. Thank you, Mark.